Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder, coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around. Snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. All right. Hey, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Diane Costo. Diane is a mom on a mission and the founder and CEO of Symmetry Neuropathway Training. Diane's on a mission to make neurofeedback technology available to families and individuals. She tried for years to find an environment where her son could thrive. It wasn't until neurofeedback found her that things began to change. She wants to help other families avoid the trauma that her family experienced as a result of her son's brain dysregulation. For the past 13 years, Diane has dedicated her life to teaching others about neurofeedback. I'm so excited to learn more about what neurofeedback is and how it can be useful for all of us regular people out here looking for any way possible to support ourselves and our families. Hi, Diane. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Casey. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for being here. I'm so interested in your work. I was telling you before you came on, like really, really interested. Can you start by sharing your story about your son and how neurofeedback found you? Yeah, sure. It's a long story. I'll try to condense it. <laughs> but basically, my son was impulsive off the charts from, you know, birth pretty much. But it started to become a problem when he entered school, right? Because it didn't fit into that school environment. Mm -hmm. So from the age of five, until he was about 12, going on 13, he was kicked out of multiple different schools and programs. And I kept trying to find a different environment for him. So I tried private school, homeschool, boarding school, homeschool again, military academy, every different environment I could think of going deeper and deeper into debt, looking for mm -hmm. that place that he would do well in. Mm -hmm. And once he went to the military academy, 
there was so much violence in the house, you know, holes in the walls, fighting, because I had two boys and it got pretty volatile. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The older one was the button pusher and the younger one had no impulse control. And he was pretty defiant and everything. So when he went to the military academy, I was like, you've really got to make this work for you, bud, or you're not welcome home. That's how extreme it got. I mean, I just have to pause you for a minute because like military academy, right? Like that's the last like, do I need to send you to military academy? I I mean, I'm just really relating to the desperation of finding what fits, finding what's helpful for your son. So. Yeah. And in the midst of, you know, all of those years, it's like, read this book, the Dobson book, try this point chart, try this, be, you know, Mm -hmm. I was a single parent too. So, Mm. you know, I didn't want to be judged as being too lenient and letting them walk all over you like you tend to get judged for being. So I bucked heads with him, which in hindsight was probably the worst thing I could do, but I was tough. You know, I was like, Mm -hmm. these are the rules. And as much as I could be strict, I was. But I tried all of these different approaches. So yeah, the military academy ends up going there. And I thought it'd be a great environment for him. He'd like it, very physical. And he got in trouble and I got the call, you know, you need to come and get him. And I said, no. And they were like, uh, you know, I was out of options. And I did one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. And I had him transported to one of those quote unquote schools for troubled teens. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 12 going on 13. And there he mm-hmm. was. And all of those years before that, I was trying to avoid that. But here we were, I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And so he gets into this therapeutic program. And I'm like, well, at least they know how to deal with him. I kind of saw it coming. But now they know how to handle him because I've been failing. Right. And a few months into it, guess what? I get that phone call again. Love him, but he's not following the program. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, literally pulling my hair out. I didn't know what was going to happen. And right at that time, I was introduced to the founder of a neurofeedback company. Somebody had him on a local TV show and did an interview and talked about neurofeedback. And this was 13 years ago. And so I was introduced to him and he said, that's the kind of kid we can help. So I went through that training. He entrusted me with a $22,000 neurofeedback system. And I drove from South Carolina to nowhere, Utah, and set it up in that program. And it saved my son's life. 40 sessions of neurofeedback gave him this pause before reacting that he never had since birth. And I was thrilled and mad that nobody mentioned it to me all of those years before then. But that's what launched me on my mission. It wasn't only my son in that program that I helped either. I watched many other kids and some of the staff start to show improvements by going through these neurofeedback sessions. That's what set me on the mission. I was like, we need to get this out there. More people need to know about it. Again, I appreciate you having me on here to spread the word and share it with the population. Yeah. Well, you know, there's so many kids in crisis and kids in need. And I work with families, you know, who have kids that are in different places on the spectrum of willingness to go see a therapist. And I think the teen years are so hard to expose your true self to somebody. And the idea that just sending them to the therapist and our kids are going to open up and really do the work is a big ask for teenagers. It's a big ask for a lot of people. I mean, I have to remind myself of that because I'm someone who, I mean, I'm like Forrest Gump on the park bench. Like, do you want to hear my life story? Because I will share. But not everybody's like that. And so I've heard a little bit about neurofeedback here and there, but I never have really felt like I understand what exactly it is. So can you 
help us with that? What is neurofeedback? Sure. There are different approaches to neurofeedback out there, but the bottom line is it's technology-driven learning for the brain. That's the simplest way to put it. So we use technology to measure the communication in the brain called brain waves and brainwave activity. We can pick that up, measure it, and take a look at what patterns are healthy patterns and which patterns are off. And then using that information, you go through a series of what we call sessions where you're using that technology again, measuring the brainwave activity and giving the person feedback and giving their brain feedback on what it's doing through a screen, a visual or auditory. So they might be kicked back watching Netflix, YouTube, Hulu, something online. Our software puts an overlay over top of that and it'll play brighter or louder when their brain's meeting that healthy pattern that we want to encourage. And then it goes dimmer, quieter when the brain's not producing the pattern that you want to encourage. So it's constantly rewarding the brain to produce that healthier pattern. And then it's just like when you learn to ride a bike or write with a pencil, you practice, 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 and pretty soon you're just doing it without thinking about it. So the goal is to use this technology repeatedly to teach the brain those healthy patterns and create new pathways in the brain. So give me an example because I do not understand. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And maybe that's okay. Maybe the science is beyond me at this moment, but give us a storyline. Like somebody comes in and the unhealthy pattern is what? So I'll back up a little bit. When they come in, they're going to fill out some assessments, let us know what's happening with them. Okay. Some of their symptoms and things like that. We're going to actually put a cap on their head and measure their brainwave activity with their eyes closed and then their eyes open. And that's just the technology. Sensors in that cap are going to record those tiny signals that the brain makes when it's communicating. It's okay. always producing a bunch of different brainwaves frequencies. Right. We record that. We know what a healthy brain should be doing. So we can compare it to this database and analyze it and get a report that says, hey, these areas are off. No wonder you're struggling with impulsivity. Or you have this pattern that goes hand in hand with people that have anxiety. Okay. So we're looking at those in the beginning and analyzing it and having a report that shows us what's physically happening in the brain. Right. And that was one of the key components where you were just talking about people that can't even verbally express. Mm -hmm. And kiddos like my son, there was a physical pattern in his brain. We could talk to him all day long, but mm-hmm. until we were able to correct that physical neuropathway in his brain, there he still was. Yeah. Nothing changed. When you have that information from the QEG brain mapping report, then the session looks like a couple sensors on the scalp again, measuring the brainwave activity. When the software detects that it's producing that pattern, we want to encourage it might just be a little more faster wave activity over here on the left side and slower waves over here on the right. I'm just trying to simplify it enough. Yeah, I do. Please. Thank you. Whenever the software would detect that that happens, the screen plays a little brighter. And that sparks a different brain pattern. So what happens is the brain's like, I want to see this better. Just like when your eyes in the morning, when you wake up, your eyes focus because you want to see better. Mm -hmm. If you're listening Mm -hmm. or watching a movie, you want to be able to see it and hear it in a better resolution. It's the natural process of what your brain, your eyes, your ears, that's what it does. So that's all it needs is to be able to see it a little bit better to encourage that positive pattern. And then when it goes dimmer and quieter, the brain knows it doesn't like that as much. So it wants to produce that pattern to see it better. They did this with cats back in the 60s, where they were able to just record the top of the head 
when the cat produced a half second burst of a certain brainwave, they gave the cats a little bit of milk and broth. And then the cats would produce a little more of that right in that center spot of their head. They'd get a little more milk and broth. Those cats started producing more and more and more of that brainwave activity Mm -hmm. just by giving them that little reward. So with humans, it's seeing something better or hearing it better. That's yeah. the reward. That's our milk and broth when we're watching a movie, right? What does that say about us? I'm not really <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it works. It's amazing. It works. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili, tamale bowls, and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Looking to refresh your closet, home, or beauty routine this spring? Walmart's got all the stylish goods in one stop. From chic new looks and the latest makeup to quality furniture and tableware, Go to walmart.com slash now trending. That's walmart.com slash now trending for the hottest fashion, home, and beauty finds. Your style at Walmart. It seems complicated, but it's not. It's the natural learning process that we go through all of the time. Anytime we learn something new, We're doing that same thing. We're practicing, practicing until we have a pathway established in the brain, a communication pathway called, you know, neuropathway. And we're just establishing that. That just happens all the time when we learn. Wow. So talk about the benefits of neurofeedback. So, I mean, new patterns, but what are you seeing with the kids and the families that are coming through your organization and doing this work? Yeah, we've seen such a wide span of things because the whole goal of neurofeedback is to help the brain better regulate. And what happens when the brain is not regulated well, people have trouble sleeping, they might not be able to focus well, they have maybe even migraines, tension headaches, there's like a lot of things, anxiety, depression, impulsivity, like my kiddo. So there's a lot of things that we're normally in our society kind of masking or managing with medications. Whereas underneath that, 
a lot of times it has to do with the physical pattern in the brain that's causing it. So we see people improve in all of those areas. Restoring the sleep cycle is one of the first things we'd like to watch for. Because when people aren't getting into that deep, well-regulated sleep, they don't function well during the day. They can't focus. Their cognitive processing is offline, you know? So, Yeah. And I'm thinking about our kids, but I'm also thinking about parents. We all have the things that trigger us, right? The things that kind of, Dan Siegel calls it flipping our lids. The things that dysregulate us real quick. And usually it comes from conditioning, you know, how are we raised? It's our defense mechanism, but it can feel like, yeah, I just flip out really quick. Is neurofeedback something that can support in helping create that pause, even for parents who are finding that it's really challenging to stay regulated with their kiddos? Yes, I believe so. (laughs) And I've seen it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, it's just about better regulating the brain. When we have a better regulated brain, we can pause before reacting. We can see things from different angles that sometimes we weren't able to before. And I always like to remind people and encourage them to consider that in their relationships and in the situations when something's triggering them, that it could be a physical pattern in that person's brain that's causing them to do that thing that makes you flip as well. And if we all understood that and we all had the information of what's happening in our brain, we could really interact a lot differently than we do. Had I known what I know now, I would have handled my son a lot differently as I was raising him because what I was doing by bucking heads with him wasn't working at all. And it didn't even matter in a way, you know, yes, I stood my ground, but what do you think you would have done differently? I would have understood that it was a physical reason that he was so reactive. So we would have had to find a different way of understanding and responding to that instead of me flipping out, Yeah, <laughs> that, you know, like he was doing this stuff and just being this 110% boy with a bad attitude, I would have understood that he didn't have some control over some of that. But you still have to figure out how does that work within the environments that we have? It doesn't work to just allow him to punch holes in the wall. It doesn't work for him to get up and just leave the building when you're in first grade, you know, out of the classroom. That's why I was grateful that I found it now because he would be one of those people that's just locked up or accidentally had killed himself. You know, that's the kind of person that he was because of that. But once we were able to better regulate that, he's one of the most disciplined people I know now. Yeah. What is he like, 26? Uh, Yeah. Fully developed brain-ish. Right, right. (laughs) In the zone Um, of the fully developed brain. Yes. And I'm going to share this because this is the most amazing thing. He had his first and only graduation last summer, last August, and he's in special forces in the army. He's a Green Beret. Wow. Yeah. He went from one of those people, like I said, that really we find them in our prison systems and or gone to one of the most disciplined people. Because then once we corrected that physical pattern in his brain, he was able to apply all of these things that he learned in all these different environments along the way, I believe. Yeah. Before he never would have been able to. Well, and there's a couple of things that you've shared. The first is what happens for us parents when we recognize that our kids don't have a bad attitude, our kids aren't trying to drive us crazy, but that there is something going on for them that is driving the behavior, that behavior actually makes sense and behavior has a purpose. Right. It's space for us to generate compassion for ourselves and for our child and so many more options 
become open as far as our response to them when we hold them in that light. So I really appreciate that. And I also really appreciate, you know, anytime there's a story, and I have my own story that my listeners have heard me speak of at nauseum, but anytime there's a story when you're a parent who's been through the gauntlet with one of your kids, and you're on the other side of it, and you can generously share, you know, about the experience, but not only about the experience, but about you know, where your kid's at now. I feel so grateful as well in my story to be able to say, yeah, it was scary. And I didn't know where she was going to end up. I didn't know if she was ever going to leave the house. I didn't know. And mm-hmm. she's thriving. Made it through you and know, she's thriving. She made that it is through. so good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important. People need that hope. Yeah. So the information and the data is collected. Part of the therapy is to sit with some kind of technology that's rewarding the brain and paying attention to the patterns. Is there more to the work for the person that's engaged in the neurofeedback? Is it a passive experience? It's very passive. Okay. It's very passive. It's totally between the technology and the brain. Yeah. So... You know, sometimes it's nice. It's really great if somebody is bought in and believes in it. But if they're sitting there trying too hard, it's not going to work as well. (laughs) They Mm. need to kick back and relax and let their brain do the work because the brain is signaling so much quicker than we can consciously. And it's doing the work and creating that new pattern. It's so specific now that like you can't tell someone, okay, would you increase 13 to 15 hertz frequency over here where we put this little sensor and then maybe reduce 15 to 20 hertz frequency over there? There's no way. (laughs) So we can't feel it when it's happening. And it's strictly a measurement and a reward. You know, It's very passive. The version that I use, there are different styles of neurofeedback out there where somebody may be more engaged and it may be more clinical. They may be using low level current and different things, but the version that we use is technology-driven learning, and that's it. There's no like therapist at the end of the session saying, like, so tell me how you feel? Nope, none of that. If you want to engage in that, it only enhances that therapeutic process mm-hmm. because you're able to process things in a different way and maybe identify things in a different way and sometimes verbalize differently, whereas you didn't have that capability before because that pattern wasn't quite as well-regulated. So that it definitely enhances other therapeutic approaches. You know, we don't want it to just replace that because that has a purpose in it. But my son was therapied out, you know, <laughs> in multiple places and stuck. So maybe yeah. that, that kind of stuck clients that therapists have, that yeah. can really help them get to the next level. I mean, I'm just thinking about teenagers who just are so resistant to the idea of therapy. and. You know, I'm thinking about when my daughter initially, so she struggled with anxiety and depression, really extreme anxiety and depression, and was able to fake it for a 50-minute session. I remember at one point, she had a therapist. She came home and said, oh, you know, my therapist said I could go to every other week. And I was like, "Uh, hold up. You're scary underweight. You've completely dropped out of high school. You do not leave the house. You're smoking tons of pot. Like, how are you now graduating to every other week? What is going on? And I went to the next session with her and it turned out, you know, it's not like she's exposing 
what's dark and deep and scary and hard for her to this therapist. The therapist was like, she seems to be doing great. Like, right. well, yeah, they know how to play the game. Yeah. And I'm like, by the way, you say on your website that you're here for the adolescents. Like, you need to know better, right? You're <laughs> yeah. being so duped. Oh, my. So anyway. I had the same thing happen with my kids when they were yeah. even younger. The therapist said, hey, if they're going to talk, they're going to talk to you more. I think we're done here. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. And the kids, that's their own reality at that moment too. But the teenagers, you're right. They know how to play the game. Same thing in all the different programs that I sent him to. It was amazing how those kids could play the game. Yeah. And it's not a character flaw, right? It's survival and where they're at. And I just love the idea that there's another modality. Although I wonder, tell me about this. So, and you can talk from your experience with your son. So something that I have seen as a benefit through my daughter's experience post that therapist, we went through a whole big DBT program and just, she's had an amazing, she finally found the right fit. And the social emotional growth that she went through because of the struggle that she had there for, you know, three, four years, it was worth it. You know, to me, Uh uh the level of learning and growth she has done as a human. I mean, I wasn't there until I was like in my mid thirties and two kids in, but Uh she's already stepped into this really beautiful personal growth and awareness of her humanness. And so I wonder, so I'm sitting here thinking like, well, had neurofeedback been a thing for us, would she still have developed the skills and the tools and the awareness that she has now going through a process that perhaps is more passive? What do you think? That's a really great question. And we don't know for sure, you know, but what I have seen when I watch people go through this process is they do start to mature in a different way. Like I mentioned before, like they might see things from different angles that it was a blind spot before or understand why somebody is handling something the way that they have because they are better regulated and the brain is amazing. When it's dysregulated, it's not picking up on things as well as it could be when it is regulated. So inside and out, I've seen that maturity happening with neurofeedback alone as well. Now, I don't know. I mean, I don't know everything that your daughter went through, and it's great that she did develop that way. It had to contribute it as well. Took a long time. Maybe it would have been a little quicker with neurofeedback. (laughs) Well, that's what I've seen because the brain starts to regulate. You can apply those things. You see it from a different angle. You start to get it in a different way. So I think the combination is beautiful and great and can only enhance it. But I also see the value in like what you said, what she went through has made her who she is. And the same with my son, all of those things that he went through has put him in a place that's pretty unique. Yeah. So I'm so full of questions and it's interesting too, right? Like that conversation of growth and development and regulation. I mean, I think every problem in the world really can go back to dysregulation. I know, exactly. Right, and not being able to be present in the moment and taking things personally and power struggles, all of that goes back to dysregulation. So how do you measure? I know that you can measure by looking at the actual brain, but is there also a process? Because you work with young kids too. like Right. How young are the youngest kids that 
do neurofeedback. Four or five are kind of the youngest range. I've had younger than that, but generally four or five years old and up to, you know, in 80s. (laughs) Yeah. And so like the real young kids, their parents bring them in, share anecdotally about what's going on, probably, I'm guessing. You do the process, however many times, was it typically, I think you said with your son, it was 40 sessions? 40. Yeah. We like people to generally have about 40 sessions minimum. As we know, after 20, the science shows it's really creating that permanent change, but most people need a little more to make it stick in a lasting change. Yeah. And so then are you getting feedback from the parents of what they're seeing at home? Yes, absolutely. All along the way, in the beginning, along with the mapping, if we can do a mapping and progress all along the way we're tracking. So not only will we measure the brainwave activity again with another map or through the each session we're watching that, but then we're getting the feedback from the other people in their environment. Is it like a survey that they take every time they come in or is it a process for collecting that information? Yeah, it's pretty simple. We have it all built in online where we're either going to ask the questions if they're coming in or in the office, but a lot of our people are now, I've closed most of my offices and we do remote services. So people are doing neurofeedback in the comfort of their own home and our coaches are in touch with them and the software, when they go to open it, ask them how they're doing, click a button on a scale of one to 10, you know, of how you're doing today and now I'll do your session and we can monitor that from a distance, you know? Yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention on the avenue that we were just talking about is having something measurable of what's happening in the brain kind of takes that shame and stigma out and that unknown. And because I haven't seen a perfect brain yet. So if we could use this technology in the families and we know we all have dysregulation one place or another and just to better understand each other within the family unit, I think there's so much power in that. And I've watched people almost come to tears when they finally see, oh, no wonder I struggle with anxiety or depression, or no wonder I've been irritable, but you know, for a decade and they can see it in a measurable form now. And that gives them so much hope. That part of the process, I think alone is so valuable. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Does neurofeedback work for depression? I heard you say depression. Is that something? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> depression, anxiety. We see clear patterns in the brain when people struggle in that area. That's fascinating. I can picture it right now in my head of what yeah. our brain maps look like. And yes, and the levels of anxiety that we've seen in the brain map reports over the years, even prior to COVID, has continued to go up and up and up. Even people that will come with attention and focus issues or memory issues. And we take a look at the patterns in their brain map. And we're seeing that they've got a lot of underlying anxiety, whether they realize it or not. Mm -hmm. And you can't focus and function well and regulate your mood if you're in fight or flight all of the time Mm -hmm. in that anxious mode. So how does personality, temperament, and environment that we live in, you know, thinking about people living in trauma, right? And they come and they do, I mean, maybe this happens, maybe this doesn't happen, but Something that we used to talk about when I worked with teachers in schools is how some kids are walking in the door and their resting regulation is halfway to dysregulation. And because of the environment that they go home to every day, how much work do you do and do you do any work around like the rest of, so you've got these kids, what about the environment, the space around them? It's critical. Yeah. It is critical. And that is the one time, like if we can make progress in the brain almost across the board, there's a couple cases where you won't get where you want to. And that's one of them. If they're constantly going back into a traumatic environment, or if you're in a bad marriage or an abusive situation that you keep going back to, we'll see some improvements in the brain and then a setback and more improvements and then a setback because the body does pay attention to all of that and signals to the brain when they're in that kind of a mode. So that's kind of a vicious cycle that we don't see as much improvements as we want to. The other people always wonder, yeah, when else does it not work? Maybe if you have like adrenal or thyroid issue that's not being addressed or heavy metal toxins or something in your system, those are a couple of the other scenarios that don't work. So environment and what you put in your body and how much rest you get is all part of the big picture. And you know, we coach you in some of those areas as well as we can too along yeah. the way. And you can see things that show up in that brain map report pointing to those types of stressors. Right. And isn't that powerful for a 15, 16, 17 year old? Because they're so used to the adults saying, well, let me just tell you the truth about the world. Right. And they're like, yeah, right. But to be able to say, this is your brain and here's yep. what's happening right yes. there. And given that piece, like it's not just that oh, somebody thinks it's them or that it is just their attitude or their behavior. Right. It's really a physical pattern that's driving them in that way. And that they have the ability to use technology to help change it and better regulate it. It's amazing. That's empowering. Very yeah. empowering for them. Does it affect the results if somebody shows up and is not buying it 
Or can you just slap that thing on their head and put them in front of the tech and just say, you don't have to buy it. Just watch this. Right. Right. I believe yeah. bring on the placebo effect. Anytime that you yeah. can get the buy-in and add that to it. Yes. Let's take it. But I've seen people that don't even understand the process, uh, dramatic yeah. brain injury, severe autism, kids with attitudes in the therapeutic program that didn't even know what was going on and were only doing it because their parents signed them up for it. Right. And they still responded in a positive way. And it wasn't until yeah. much later that they realized, you know, so you don't 100% have to have the buy-in on this because your brain is still going to do what it naturally wants to do, wants to see and hear things better that it's interested in. Wow. What are some of the most dramatic shifts that you've seen with oh, the people wow. that you work with? Wow. I always think of this one, which, you know, and we don't advertise these kinds of things because you can never predict when or if it's going to happen. But I had a retired gentleman who approached me about helping with marketing the services because he was kind of excited about it, was just doing part-time work. And I said, well, you are going to have to experience it first before you can really talk about it. And he had had a stroke eight years prior and was not able to move his arm and his hand was curled up very tight. And he came in and did um, within five sessions, he called us back in like we were in the waiting room. My technician and myself met with him because he wanted to talk to us. And he looked down, he started to get these tears in his eyes. And he said, look, and he started to uncurl his fingers. Oh my gosh. And he said, I didn't even tell my wife yet because I can't believe it. (laughs) And we were all like bawling in the room. But in his case, he had something neurological in his brain that was prohibiting those fingers from moving. And I've heard of other people that have been in severe accidents that had limited movement. And some of that movement came back. That's beyond belief. Yeah. But it happens. But the brain is crazy. Like the brain. I I mean. I know. So that's really dramatic. But then obviously my son's story is very dramatic to me, but like even a other girl that was in the program with him, you know, and she was suicidal, was on staff watch, was, you know, bulimic, all of these different things that she had. And her parents signed her up to start the neurofeedback because they figured, why not? You know, we've spent more money than we have. We don't like medication. Yeah. Let's give it a shot. It's non-invasive. So she's doing all these sessions and she kept reporting back then it was even a paper form. She kept reporting, no change, no change, no change. And we're just watching her. And I'm observing because I moved to that program to help my son. And I'm watching. So she's off of staff watch. She's not bulimic anymore. She's starting to interact with the other kids. She's making some friends. She gets on the leadership team, you know, over these like period of a few weeks of me doing these sessions on her. No change. All defiant. (laughs) Right. She was like that. It was so great. And then after 20, I was only doing 20 session packages that time because I didn't figure it out that I really needed the full 40. 20 was helping. And at the end of them, I said, well, thankfully, you don't even have to come in here anymore. You're done with your 20. And she begged her parents for another round Mm. because she was starting to just come back to life, you know? And seeing like the spark coming back in some of those kids' eyes oh, after having been labeled and failing and all of that for all of those years, just them starting to gain a little bit of confidence in that little spark. It's, yeah, it's making me get goosebumps and start to cry. Oh my gosh, Diane, that makes me emotional. <laughs> that was one of the most magnificent things is seeing that in the teens for sure. So the start of symmetry for you was getting this machine, driving across the country or learning how to use it and what it was all about, and then taking it to your son's school and just starting to kind of like sell these sessions and do it. Yep. Do it. I just did it. I started with him. I spoke to the parents and they were like, bring it on. It makes sense. I was running sessions on student staff, everybody there. 
then eventually I talked them into, well, hey, this is a service you should be charging for. So it became a mm-hmm. business. And then I launched to become a trainer and to set up other offices and do whatever I could to get it out there because I was yeah. just blown away that I didn't know about it all of that those years. Yeah. And I came out of the gates with a 100% success rate. Every single person I put on that neurofeedback machine that did some sessions showed some type of positive improvement. So yeah, that launched me into the mission of this is ridiculous that we didn't know about this yeah. <laughs> and we need to get the word out there. Yeah, anyway, now that more I can. than ever. Mm-hmm. And so tell us about your company. Yeah, so we now we have the home training services specific to get it out into the families and the households. That's the ultimate mission is to make it accessible for everyone. I'll train professionals on how to provide it. We have the equipment, the software, the hardware, the training, the support, anything you need. We'll go in and set up in schools or therapeutic programs or offices that want it for their staff or staff retention. Anything I can do to get it out there. That's what we are all about. And mm-hmm. we're continuing to develop. I've now partnered with Cameron Allen and Dr. Jojo Yance to also further the technology to make it even more accessible and um, bring in some other fun things like virtual reality training and balance board stuff. You know, we're using technology anyways. Why not use it to regulate the nervous system and the brain? Absolutely. That's what we're all about. (laughs) Mom on a mission. Indeed. Thank you for hearing the call and stepping into it. I'm so excited. I have a list in my head of clients and family members that I'm so excited to encourage to look into this. As we close... Is there anything else you want to make sure you leave the listeners with before we say goodbye? Well, I think we've touched on a lot of it, but really summarizing that, you know, there are physical patterns in the brain as to why people respond and react the way they do. And to get this into that level of the household where we can better improve that family dynamic, it can really change our society. So anybody interested in that mission in any way, let's come together and do that. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm coming together. Sign me up. I love it. Awesome. Let's do it. So in positive discipline, it's based in Adlerian theory, which is the idea that human behavior is always movement towards a sense of belonging and significance. And sometimes we take like side roads to get to belonging and significance, but we're always heading in that direction where I love the idea of like just clearing things out in the brain and repatterning, you know, funky areas so that that striving towards belonging and significance can be a really healthy path versus some of the ways that, yeah, it just gets, it gets weird. It gets funky. It gets, you know, misguided. And so I really see the work that I'm doing and the work that you're doing as being so compatible. So again, thank you. I love that term of clearing that path. And I always think of it too, as clearing that path to become more of who you really are without the interference. Right. You know, when you clear that path, you just are more of who you are and that spark Mm. comes back and it's just amazing. Can we all do neurofeedback? Do we have to have a big issue? Absolutely not. There should be no stigma attached to it. Peak performers, Olympic teams are using it. It's just not mainstream as much as it needs to be, but yes, we all should be doing it. Yeah. I fully believe that. As I said, I haven't seen a perfect brain yet. <laughs> yeah. So let's right. Do it. Who am I? I'm like, <laughs> can someone like me who's got all of her shit together, Diane, is neurofeedback for me too? Yeah. Yes. It's for us as well, for sure. 
So my last question that I always ask my guests, and you can speak to it in the context of what we're talking about, what does joyful courage mean to you? Wow. When I hear that term, I just think about my journey and just continuing to push forward and not giving up and trying to find an answer for my son. And every time I believed and I had the courage to do the next thing and just knowing that it was going to work, right? So I had to stay as as stressful as it was for me, at least just taking that next step and getting out there and doing something and trying the next thing was joyful courage for us and our family. Hmm. Where can people find you and follow your work? Um, SymmetryNeuroPT.com is our website. I'm sure you'll post it. Yep. You know, give us a call. We'll have a conversation with you and see how you can join the mission. And you are online. So anyone who's listening, doesn't matter where they are, can reach out and figure out a way to work with you or get some support. Beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you so much for spending time with me. This was amazing. Thank you, Casey. I'm sure we could spend another couple hours chatting. So maybe another time we will. (laughs) For sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.